Welcome to today's edition of Time in the Vineyard with Pastor Teacher Jeff Toring. Today's broadcast is being brought to you from the pulpit of Liberty Valley Church, Northfield, Ohio. Amos 2 6. Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of shoes, that pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turn aside the way of the meek. And a man and his father will go in unto the same maid to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar. And they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Also I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and led you forty years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up of your sons for prophets, and of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink, and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not. Behold, I am pressed under you, as a cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not strengthen his force, neither shall the mighty deliver himself, neither shall he handleth the bow. And he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself, neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in the day, saith the Lord. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known. Throw your ribbon in here in Amos. I want to go over to Jesus' words in Matthew 11 for introduction. Matthew 11, early in Jesus' earthly ministry, has some peculiar things that take place in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. He's dealing with the, I believe Matthew in chapter 11 is dealing with the difficulty of belief. And it is difficult. In fact, for some it's almost impossible when you talk to someone who is lost and who is a non-believer or an unbeliever, you can see them kind of inching closer to the kingdom as you talk to them. But then some of them, if they're honest, they're like, I, I just have such a hard time believing. I just have a hard time. And then you know that they're telling the truth because it is a very difficult thing to believe. I mean, think of it really. Uh, well, Almighty God, the creator of everything, became a man by way of a virgin birth. He became so small that he entered into a womb of a young girl and even smaller yet into an embryo of a young girl and then became 
a human being. 100% God and 100% man. Now, to some, that's difficult to understand, and that's not even getting into the triune Godhead where we talk, talk about how is Jesus God and God the Father is God, and you get into all those things. It just becomes relatively difficult. So for some, you got to understand, for the lost person who isn't quickened by the Spirit, it is a very bad struggle for them to deal with. Matthew is dealing with the difficulty of belief here in chapter 11. And look how he starts out even in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And I would say to myself, really, is that the best way? Teaching and preaching. A human being trying to share the knowledge of divinity one person to another, uh, teach and preach uh, through word of mouth, just feeble humans talking to feeble humans on the doctrines and the knowledge of divinity. And I would say to myself, really, is that the best mode to spread this information? I mean, can you rely on anybody? Have you heard the gossip lately uh, at any church? I mean, by the time it gets through the third person, the story is completely different than from the first person. Now, our church doesn't have gossip because, you know, we're perfect in every way. <laughs> but, I mean, other churches, I mean, if, you know, so you look at this and you're like, wait a minute, that just doesn't seem like the best way. I mean, eternity is in the balance. Somebody's going to go to hell forever and never get out. Never. And that's the mode that you chose? I probably would have tried a different route. But God has established it to be that way. And then he goes on and he's... Verse 2, it says, Now when John, John the Baptist, had heard in the prison, right now he is in prison for telling the truth, but when John heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Now look at it, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Are you really the Christ, or should we be looking for somebody else? And you would think, wait a minute, if John, who is the cousin himself of the Lord, who was spirit-filled from his birth, an Old Testament prophet, if he struggles with belief, how difficult is it? Are you the one, or should we be looking for somebody else? And then notice Jesus comes back, and he gives a little bit of a summary. He answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Well, that's odd, isn't it? I mean, yeah, this is the faith. The blind can see, the dead can hear, or the dead are raised, the deaf can hear, and he goes through all, well, I understand it. Oh, and the, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And you think to yourself, well, what does social economics have to do with it? That's odd. And then from verses 7 through 14, Jesus explains some of John's ministry. But then he would say something when you get down to verse 15 that would become a maxim or an adage. Look at it, he says in 15, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I think the question would be, well, wait a minute, doesn't everybody? Doesn't, doesn't everybody have ears to hear? But he's, this, this maxim that Jesus repeated over and over in his ministry, uh, John the Beloved actually uses it as well. Well, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then he says something after that, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? 
It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows. He's referring to, verse 1, the mode of the sharing of the gospel, the, the mode of sharing divinity, the truth. Worse like in this generation, they're like children sitting in the markets and calling to their fellows. Children saying back and forth, back and forth. Verse 17, and saying, well, we have piped unto you and you haven't danced. We have mourned unto you, the opposite. We tried one end of the spectrum, the, the very positive music. We played our music, yet you didn't dance, didn't respond. We have now mourned unto you and told you that. And you have not lamented. And the idea is, is look, we sent the message. Did, did you not get it? Was there a lack of clarity in our message? And then you go down to verse 20, and Jesus, he upbraids them for it. He scolds them for their unbelief. Then began he to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. And then... He gives a very odd praise. He says in verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. I would ask, what are these things? I thank thee, Heavenly Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. What things? And has revealed them unto babes. So Jesus, let me get this straight. He is grateful that it is hidden, that God himself has hidden from a certain group. And he's also grateful that God himself has revealed these things to a different group. Isn't that peculiar? Do you not find that peculiar? I thank you, God. That you have hidden these things from this group over here. But I'm thankful also that you have revealed it to this group. And then to become even more peculiar, he tells the group that it has been revealed to, I want this group to then go after he has hidden these things from this group. I want this group to go and tell this group. That's clear as mud. That's called the Great Commission. Those of us who he has revealed the truth to are then commissioned to go tell the truth to those to whom he has hidden it from. I find that peculiar. So then let's go back to Amos and see how this mode works out. We have then dealt with last week some of the indictments that were handed down. All the various nations... In an equitable way, all the nations, including the homeland, Judah and Israel, have received indictments. What is interesting is as we just connect from where we left last week, the indictment that is read to God's people in verse 4, he says, For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law. Of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. That's the indictment for them. Now we're familiar with the other indictments for the other nations and what they did. And then he comes down in verse 6 Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. What's interesting is, is that the indictments that are given 
are, he puts them, you haven't kept the law, you've despised the word of God, you've despised the Bible and its commandments, and you have been an oppressor to the poor. He puts that on an equal playing field with gutting people and ripping women apart while they're pregnant. The vileness, the heinous crime of taking a knife to a pregnant woman and gutting her and pulling the child out from her gut. The Lord has put on the same level those who do not hold his word in respect. And those who would sell the poor for a pair of shoes. Rich people are taking advantage of poor people. And he says that's on the same level as that other crime. I just had a small uh, incident with my favorite town uh, that I live in. I, I live in the beautiful city of Hudson, Ohio. Uh, we live on the poor side of town, so don't think anything's crazy. We're, we're, we don't live with, you know, the, um, you know, you know, we don't live with them. <laughs> but, 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 so this particular, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a lot of land in the city of Hudson. This particular lot of land, the, the city hall of Hudson themselves moved in and bought the property to said other land. They then found out that there was an encroachment of a fence that was on their property. Very, very heinous it is. So they came together and had city council and all the people get together and they thought to themselves in their wise ivory thrones that we would make that person pay $24,000 for that. Now land is important in Hudson, I understand. So said owner of the other land calls the assistant general manager of said town and said, I just want to let you know something that you might not have thought of. The said owner of that land makes between thirty dollars and $50,000 a year. Your budget is $150 million a year. That person has to work six months, a whole half of a year, in order to pay for a fence that is encroaching on the property that you bought, which already had the fence there. You make 150 and 475,000, 150 million, and you're going to gouge this other person to make him work a whole half a year? Do you need the extra? $25,000 is $150 million annually not enough? Well, I thought it was equitable and just. And I said, I'm only letting you know in a gracious way of your transgressions. Do as you see fit. Because I know somebody who doesn't care for business like that. They sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. God says that that is just as vile as gutting people. But you also know there was more to the story, of course. And so verse 7, we continue on. They pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor and turn aside the way of the meek. Now, you've got to remember, the people who are in charge and leading are leading the sheep. The shepherd is, is bad. The sheep will be bad. and uh, The leadership goes bad, and everything just goes bad. So now we have a man and his father 
will go in unto the same maid to profane my holy name. Now we have incest happening, and also a very obscene act is taking place. Verse 8, they lay themselves down upon the clothes laid to pledge by every altar. Uh, that was customary in those days to make sure that when you married a girl, you would lay down a blanket the, uh, during consummation of marriage to make sure that she was a virgin. They were doing that in a religious idol worship way. They would lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar, and they drink the wine of the condemned, the dead, in the house of their God. All right, now we're becoming a little more vile. So God then, after these indictments are handed, he's going to remind them, but you are privileged. You are a privileged people. So he says in verse 9, Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, who was strong as the oaks. The spies said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way that we can fight against them. They are like the mighty oak tree. They are way bigger. Yet God says, yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. I also brought you from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness. I've done this for you. I raised up for your sons prophets, people that would know the truth, and your young men for Nazarites so that the young men would have a little bit of a sanctified extra life. I did this so for the good of the nation. There would be prophets and Nazarites that would be dedicated and devoted to the glory of God. And he says, is, is it not an, even thus? Is it not this way, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink. You were the pusher and commanded the prophets, saying, Stop! Prophesy not! Behold, I am pressed under you as a cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. You know, that's a big picture right there. That's the guy coming to town to sell his wares. And he, he has done so good in, in the land that his cart is just packed full and overflowing with goods, with profitable. Now remember, we're in the days of prosperity here. I mean, the economy is booming and everybody's doing really well. Every, I mean, even the poor people are wealthy. Even the homeless people are overweight. And God says, I'm like, like smashed under, under the cart of all the things that I gave to you. All the things that are good for you are piled on top of me so much so that I'm pressed at the bottom of the barrel. And look at the result. 14, therefore, the flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his force. Neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow. And he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself. Neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself. God is saying, the prowess will not avail. These are very skilled militants. And he says, the prowess, it will not avail. In fact, you even have some of the really of the nastiest ones, like the sons of liberty type. You know, they are in verse 16. He that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. At least he makes it. 
I mean, they run for their lives. At least these people, these extra courageous men, they make it. Now they make it stripped naked because they're scratched and gouged as they're tearing their way through. But at least they do make it. And then in chapter 3, we go, we have this break. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt. Now, this is one of those things where, you know, if you're texting somebody, you, you can't really get what's going on because you don't have the flow of, of audible. So you text something and you, and you think, I don't know exactly what's being said there. You know, I, I can't read exactly what's being said because there's no, you know, and so that's where you just put an LOL at the end and everything is fine. It doesn't matter really, whatever. Just, just, just laugh out loud at it. It's all good. You can take this like, hear this, the word that the Lord has spoken against you. But I don't think it's written that way. I think this is written sad. I think this is written with empathy. Hear this word. This is terrible news. Hear this word that the Lord had spoken against you. Oh, children of Israel. And he even is totally overlooking the family mess. And he doesn't call them Judah and Israel. He says, oh, children of Israel against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Now he just said a mouthful again. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Do you realize the hostility that that will bring? The jealousy of that? The anti-Semitism, especially from the Arabs? What about the family of Esau? Or the family of Ishmael? God, God's telling his people, You only have I known. And therefore there's privileges and also responsibilities. You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. He completes the list of indictments and possible and the probable sentence. And then he goes on with some rhetoric, some rhetorical questions the Lord then will begin to ask. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can you walk together in harmony when you don't agree with each other? No. You can't. Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? No. Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him and he's trapped? Shall one take up a snare from the earth? And that taking nothing at all? No, you wouldn't do that. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? No, of course not. The trumpet sounds in the city. It's, it's the air raid sirens of World War II. People run for the basement. They run for their lives. Shall the trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Of course, the answer is, is no. And then he says something very interesting. 
the answers to the, all of them are no, 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 and no. And then he says, shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Did I just understand what I read? Let's read that again. Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Wait a minute. Does it not appear that he's ascribing evil to the Lord? Is he saying, if an evil comes into your city, hath not the Lord done it? Is he ascribing evil to the Lord? Do you think it's evil if the Lord were to open up the ground and swallow 700 people alive? Let's take the Lord out of that. Let's just use our logic here. Let's say somebody in this room decides that they're going to play a trick. You know, let's say they work for like News Corp, you know, for like the news organ. Let's say they work for like Lion Ted or, or CNN, you know, or all these. I know you guys don't know what CNN is, but I'll tell you it's a news organization that is on TV. Nobody watches it anymore, but don't worry about it. So let's just say somebody works for that organization and, and, um, and, and decides they're going to spread a big lie. I know it's hard to imagine. I understand. I'm trying to help. You work with me here at this story. <laughs> but let's say that said person then through that sends a strong delusion. I, I think that you know where I'm going if you know the Pauline epistles. Because doesn't it say that God will send a strong delusion? Does that not appear evil to you? Now, we know that it can't be evil because God can do no evil. God makes the rules. He's God. We're not. Whatever he says is evil is evil. Whatever he says isn't evil isn't evil. He can't do no evil. There's no darkness in him. But if you look at that, you think to yourself, wait a minute. I think the big lie, I think making people delusional to believe a big lie could be classified as evil. Put your ribbon in here because we'll come right back to close. But just really quick, go over to Paul's letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what he says here when he's dealing with this stuff. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Again, we're back to the groups. Remember? One group, is, you know, and then the other group, and then, and then this group's got to tell this group, so that's what's happening now. Apostle Paul is in town, and he's telling the groups. He says, When I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And look what he says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Now, wait a minute. Is that the way the Apostle Paul was, that description? Because he makes himself sound like I came weak and trembling, and I came like I used words like bigly and, and huge or huge, and, and like that's how I came. That's what he said. I didn't come to you with enticing words. I didn't come with big words. I didn't come like that. But is that the way the Apostle Paul is? 
Wasn't the Apostle Paul a Pharisee of Pharisees? Wasn't he a lawyer? Wasn't he taught at the most conservative, best schools in Jerusalem? Wait a minute, didn't he sit and get his Ph.D. from Gamaliel, the leader of leaders? Wasn't he born free as a Roman citizen? Which means then he comes from money. Because remember the soldier said, I bought that freedom with a great sum of money. Paul responded, I was born free. Freedom isn't free. It means the Apostle Paul went to the best schools, got the best education, became a Pharisee of Pharisees, a lawyer. He comes from money. You mean to tell me he don't know how to talk? Hmm. Sounds suspicious to me. Look what he says. Verse 4, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it? How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That's interesting. We do speak wisdom among them that are mature and perfect and upright and know, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. The princes are the elitists, the oligarchs, the the ones that sit upon their ivory tower, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Really? What is that? The wisdom of God in a a mystery? Even the hidden wisdom? What's that? Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Look at this. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Remember Jesus said something about those princes? He told them, you are of your father, the devil. Brothers, the evil comes from the devil. But brothers, he is only a pawn in the game. The master chess player moves things around, hidden, so that the princes of this world don't even know what's happening. For if they did know it, they no doubt would not have crucified Jesus Christ. Because in so doing, the devil thought that he was gaining a victory by killing the Messiah that he had tried to kill all the way back to Cain and Abel. And the Lord used him as a filthy pawn on the game and killed the Lord of glory, who then made the devil fall into the very trap that he had set. I thank thee, O Heavenly Father, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. Do you ever wonder? I don't know if you're like me, but I get like, probably 25 to 100 texts a day of different videos and news things that are saying, Fauci lied. (laughs) 
doesn't know. We've been saying that from the beginning. But the world doesn't know. Why? I thank thee, O Heavenly Father, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, the princes of this world. If there's an evil in the city, hath not the Lord done it? Well, there's more to that, because if you go back and we finish in Amos, Amos 3.6, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be an evil in the city, and the Lord hath not done it? But he has hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. That should tell us to take heart. Whatever the left throws at us, whatever the godless commies throw at us, they're only pawns in the game. Because if there's an evil in this city, has the Lord done it? Is the sovereign Lord in control? You bet. But he has hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But the good part about it is the next verse. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And I would tell you even unto this day, surely the Lord will do nothing without revealing it to us, his remnant. Only you have I known. The world doesn't know. But the almighty who sits upon the throne and his train fills the temple. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy. That same almighty, his majesty, has told us the secret. I have a secret for you. I wrote it down to make sure that you know the truth of the secret. Because God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. So I've hid these things from this group. But you got to know, if it wasn't for my grace, you wouldn't know either. So in your compassion, and I know you get angry at days, and so do I. And some days we're going to pull the sword out. That's fine. Thought that will come. But on some days, send out the lifeboat. Because if it weren't for him, where would we be? been listening to Time in the Vineyard with Pastor Teacher Jeff Toring. Today's broadcast was brought to you from the pulpit of Liberty Valley Church, Northfield, Ohio. For more information, you can call the church at 330-554-7606 or check us out on the web at libertyvalleychurch.org. That's libertyvalleychurch.org.